Hi everybody, this is Steve Hargadon and it's Wednesday, June 17th, 2009 and welcome to the Future of Education. This is an earlier morning, this is an earlier slot than we normally have, so thank you for coming. Looks like we have a nice audience this morning. Sure appreciate your being here. Some of you are shouting out in the chat where you're from. That's a lot of fun to do. Our thanks this morning to KnowledgeWorks Foundation for supporting the Future of Education interview series and to Illuminate for providing this environment. KnowledgeWorks has produced a 2020 forecast um, creating the future of learning. And I did a fascinating uh, recording that I've posted on my blog, a two-hour drill down, kind of like a DVD commentary on that forecast. And I'll put the link to my blog in the um, uh, in the chat in a minute, um, but it's very worth looking at and a lot of fun. Uh, also want to remind you, if you are going to NECC this year, please consider coming to EduBlogacon, our free unconference the Saturday before NECC. Uh, also, there's a three-day unconference within a conference, NECC Unplugged. Com, and we encourage you to uh, to look for that. Come attend physically if you're at NECC or attend virtually if you're not. So Sandy says that uh, Rachel's ready to go. You do desktop share again. So Rachel, I'm going to give you uh, okay. I'm going to give you moderator privilege. And so we're going to okay. do a little technical support while we're started. Rachel, we've gone ahead okay. and started, but we haven't done anything critical. At the top Great. of your screen, you'll see a set of icons, one of which is a screen with a hand underneath it, a computer monitor with a hand underneath it. It's right mm -hmm. to the right of the screen. So go ahead I and click it. that. Okay. And once you do, it will give you a choice of which of your programs you want to share. And you should be able to highlight your web browser and then click uh, OK. Okay, I did that. Great, so we are seeing your screen. Great. So I'm going to switch over. Do you see my frontline screen digital now? We're seeing Nation right now. Yeah. Beautiful. Terrific. So uh, let me suggest me? that we, we hear you great. great. So everybody, uh, let's give a warm welcome to Rachel. There's a clapping hand at the bottom of the participant window. You can use that to let her know you're glad that she's here this morning taking time. With us. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Rachel, let's go ahead and close that down just for a second. Close what down? The application share. I've just closed that, or I will in a second. Oh, maybe you need to. Let's see. There we go. So it's gone. <coughs> excuse me. It's gone away, but we we'll bring it right back when we need to. And I'm going to do a, a very quick orientation for people as to how to use the Illuminate environment. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. So if this is your first time in Illuminate, I want to make sure that you um, have a sense of, the, of how it works. If Rachel actually asks, asks, wants to ask a question of the audience, we can respond. And you'll see up at the top there's a green check and a red X. And those allow you to, to respond yes or no. But you can respond in even more ways. Uh, one way is to leave a message in the chat. And at the bottom of the chat box, uh, you'll see a little area where you can actually type in a message. You can also send messages to specific individuals in the session, but do know that no, none of those are private. The moderators actually see all of those messages. If you want to express approval or appreciation, you can use that clapping hand uh, emoticon. To the left of it is a little smiley face. 
There's a confused face and a thumbs down, which we don't see very often. I don't expect to see it today, but know that those are there for you to respond. Oh, Andrew, you're you're uh, teasing us. There's a to the left of those. There's a hand icon with a green arrow up, and that lets you raise your hand. And if you think that you'd like to ask Rachel a question, and I know she wants high participation today, you can click on that button, and uh, you raise your hand, and I'll give you the microphone capability. If you do think you want to ask a question through the microphone, go up to Tools Audio and run the Audio Setup Wizard, and that will make sure that your microphone is working. You're also welcome to ask questions in the chat. Okay, so I'm going to give you all privileges to modify this map. And to the left of the map, you'll see a little wand with a red star at the end. And if you click on that and click on the map, you can let us know where you're listening from. Wow. So definitely North American centric today. But I, I think not uh, unexpected given um, that this is a, uh, a frontline program. Although I'm sure, Rachel, that you get broader audience than that. But maybe it's uh, we do, we do. But you know, usually it's it's later. Usually it starts as starts as a more local phenomenon, and then uh, when the programs are sold abroad, we get more of an international audience. So some of you have put uh, where you're from in the chat. Please feel free to do that. It's always fun for us to see where people are coming in from. Okay, so <laughs> I see I'm, someone's in I'm Canada. Gonna... So uh, Rachel, we're certainly glad to have you here uh, and glad that we've uh, got you actually logged in and ready to go. Uh, everybody, I'm glad um, to be here. Let's... Uh, Rachel, why don't we start by having you give a sort of a short introduction to yourself I know you primarily through uh, growing up online, which for many of us was a, a significant uh, television event uh, and, and, has, and has been shared by many of us with, with a lot of our friends and family. Um, would you tell us a little bit more about your background and then what's brought you to the Digital Nation Project? Sure. Um, well, I'm a producer-director and I've produced pretty much exclusively for Frontline for many years now. I, I began at Frontline in 1990 um, as an associate producer and began producing my own programs um, I think around 1995 or 1996. So I've made uh, many documentaries. Um, I would say they, the topics range from um, looking at the effect of uh, the marketing machine on kids in a program called Merchants of Cool um, to a program about um, the child protective system called Failure to Protect, which was broadcast several years ago, um, to a program called The Lost Children of Rockdale County, which looked at um, a group of children in near the Atlanta area who were um, engaged in some really high-risk behaviors. So um, I would say the common theme across a lot of my work is that I'm interested in youth and in kids, although not exclusively. Um, and um, particularly since I've had my own kids, which I did uh, starting about 11 years ago, I now have three of them, um, I've been really drawn to that territory. Um, Digital Nation um, came as a result of growing up online. After we broadcast that program, we were made aware of what significant um, 
impact it had, and how hungry people are for coverage of this very, very important issue. And we really felt like we had just begun to sort of chip away at a giant iceberg, um, and that there was so much more to say on this subject, and not just about kids, but really about all of us, because we're all in the middle of this big social revolution. And um, the executive producer of Frontline uh, was the one who initially had the idea that we do this project in a completely different way than we've done our documentaries in the past. Where uh, normally when we make a documentary, we, um, you know, we do everything privately until we essentially broadcast the documentary, and then it's kind of open to the public. And what he thought would be interesting would be to open up the process from the beginning through the web and to create a website that would precede the film by almost a year and that would invite people to collaborate and contribute from the beginning so that when the film does air, it's really a product of all of this input. Um, so that's what we're doing. And we launched the website about three months ago. Um, and uh, we're just getting into education as a, as a kind of theme, and um, I'm happy to go on, but why don't you ask me some more questions to you. I don't want to take up too much of your time with this. Oh, no, you're doing it exactly right, and I love it. But I, but I will prompt you <laughs> a couple of questions. So um, sure. it, it seems to me that you're trying to live the uh, technology by, by putting it out there early. I will tell you that um, I had a hard time s stopping watching. The, 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 the site really consumed me. Are you getting the response that you were hoping in terms of participation? No. <laughs> in answer to your question, no. And I think part of that, I think there are a couple of reasons for that. One is that you know it, we're new, and the word is just getting out. Um, and it's going to take a little time for people to hear about the project and, and know where to find it. I also, uh, we're going to be doing a, a big redesign of the website, um, which is going to go up, I think, in the next month or two. And in part, that's because we want the website to give more opportunities for people to contribute than it does now. Um, we're, we're slowly beginning to, to add features that allow people to contribute, um, but we're learning as we go. We've never uh, built a website before ourselves since we're filmmakers, and so we're learning how important it is to sort of make it visible to people on the home page um, where and how they can contribute. So that the new and improved website will, will be even more welcoming of the public, um, but the one that exists now um, there is a wonderful feature on the site called Stories from Your Digital Nation, which has been really successful. Um, and that is an opportunity for people to submit short videos um, and audios of their experience with the digital world. And they can talk about whatever it is they want to talk about. And if you go to that site, you'll see um, there are, I don't know, upwards of 40 um, really interesting contributions so far. And we're hoping that will explode in the next few months. So let's go ahead and have you share your desktop, and, and we'll look at sure. that particular piece. Why don't I start with your stories then? Um, so this is called your your digital nation, and um, so we, uh, Rachel, we'll need to have you click on that uh, same icon up at the top again to actually oh, share I'm the sorry. desktop. Just a moment. That's okay. okay. We close that down. So this is the hand that I'm clicking on? It's the hand underneath the screen. Yeah, OK, good. OK, now let's see. So here, do you guys see it now? This is Stories from Your Digital Nation. I can. If you can see it, you please go ahead and clap and let her know. You should be able to see it in a minute or two. It may take a second to pull up. There you go. Looks like people are seeing it. So Rachel, just make Three. sure that the, there we go, perfect. 
Can everybody those see of you that? Who are watching, you can ex if you're watching, you can expand that window by dragging the side over if it needs to be larger for you. So how have teachers in particular responded or not responded? Did you feel like uh, the education community has, has noticed this yet? I think they're beginning to, yes. I mean, I would say that the education community has been a really enthusiastic um, participant in the site so far, and particularly now because we've just launched, um, we just posted yesterday, I believe, or the day before, a series of pieces about education, and so, and we're we're trying to get the word out. We're going to be at NECC um, in a couple of weeks, and we're going to have a booth there. Um, so we'll be reaching out to the community there, um, and I will tell you a little bit more about that booth later in the conversation. It's really, I really want to urge anybody who's going to be there to come to the booth because we're going to actually be collecting stories for your digital nation um, at NECC. But um, if you look on on this um, page alone, um, the top three circles on the left side are all middle school students at a, um, in middle school in the Bronx where we've spent quite a bit of time. This is IS339 which is a laptop school and um, only recently a laptop school and has had some really dramatic results um, from the use of technology and three of the students here have contributed their own um, stories um, of their life in the digital age which I really urge you to watch and there are other places on the site where, you, where you'll see some of these students and some more about this really unique and extraordinary school. And there are also another couple of um, contributions from teachers. There's one in particular from um, a gentleman who is a teacher in a paperless classroom. I don't know if you guys can see I'm there now. Um, um, and uh, so I would say that um, teachers and students are really central to this site. Um, it's an issue I personally care a lot about, and um, I think we've done some really good work, um, and it's just a beginning. We're going to be continuing to explore this issue with your help. But we really do urge you to um, share your stories. And I want to emphasize that we're not just looking for the stories of teachers who have embraced technology. We're also really interested in hearing from teachers who aren't as comfortable with technology about why they're not as comfortable with technology and about what some of the downsides they might see to the use of technology in the classroom are. What kind of feedback did you get from teachers about growing up online? I think a lot of teachers um, were really grateful uh, to Frontline for, for airing the program um, and many teachers identified with either one or the other of the two teachers we profiled in the piece. Um, I'm going to go to the um, features page of the website where you'll see that there's a, uh, an excerpt from Growing Up Online right here on the features um, page called Two Teachers and we shot this in Chatham High School in Chatham, New Jersey. And this was just happened to be the high school where we were. Um, we didn't choose it for this reason, but there were um, there were two teachers um, who we found. One who really had embraced technology, who believed that this was the future, that that kids needed to learn um, the skills of multitasking, that it was important to meet them at, at their level where they live, um, and who was very successful at doing so. And then there's another teacher who had been in the school for many, many years, Rose Purpura was really concerned about what she described as a kind of um, lack of focus among her students, a difficulty in sort of sitting with one task and really going deep, um, and a concern that her students, in part because they had been exposed to so much technology, were sort of skirting over the surface of things and not necessarily able to kind of really get the, the depth um, 
that she she wanted them to get out of their studies. Um, and I, I spoke to many teachers who some who really felt what Rose Purpura felt, you know, that they were noticing changes in their students and that they were concerned about it and that it was important to combat that. And others who really felt that this is a new world and a new set of skills that students are going to need and that we need to kind of find ways to teach students in this environment and that the possibilities of this environment are extraordinarily rich. Um, I think it's possible to agree with both of them because I think they're both right to a certain extent. I love it that you've included material from uh, growing up online. I, I I personally got sucked into the interview section, and I'm trying to remember where it was. Is that under um, extras? It's under extras. Um, and if you go to extras here, um, and this will also change. We're going to make this a little easier to find. But um, inside extras, for some reason, it's taking a little while. From, but there we go. You'll see interviews right here. And we, we're going to continue to add to this, but um, we've already got some really, really interesting material here. We put up some interviews that we shot for Growing Up Online, as well as interviews um, we've done for this project. And a lot of these interviews actually deal with the issue of learning and education. Um, as you'll see at the very top, we featured two polar opposite perspectives. Mark Bauerlein, who wrote The Dumbest Generation, is a pretty controversial figure, um, but a very thoughtful guy who really is concerned about um, not just because of technology, certainly, but, but certainly he is concerned about some of the issues around um, kids not being able to kind of go deep. Um, Mark Prensky, uh, I would describe as, as really taking an alternative perspective and believing um, in the use of video games in the classroom, in the kind of um, you know, death of a certain kind of reading, and that's okay. Um, you know, that we're reading, but we're reading differently. Um, that most books, as he says, should be shorter. <laughs> and that the advantage of the web is that it allows us to kind of get the, get the kind of impact of something without having to read every word and spend hours and hours and hours probing a text. Um, so I think it's really interesting to watch excerpts from both of these interviews. And then if you, if you go down a little bit further, you'll see uh, interviews with Steve Mayer, who, um, here, who is the teacher I described at Chatham, who is a big proponent of technology. And then below him, um, excerpts from our interview with Rose Papora, who uh, the English teacher who's more concerned about that. Um, so what you'll see if you look at this clip I just showed you from Growing Up Online is excerpts from their interviews, very short ones that are cut into a finished piece. But if you want to see much more extensive um, excerpts, you can look here. Um, so those are the four I would sort of highlight at this point. We've got two more coming up very soon. Uh, we interviewed James G, um, who is, uh, many of you may know um, Professor G. He, he is a big believer and proponent of video games in the classroom and gaming in education. Um, and then we also interviewed Henry Jenkins, um, who was at MIT and is moving to um, USC. So uh, those are going to be going up in the next week or two, I believe. So are there other uh, parts of the site you'd like to show us? Do you want to give us sort of a brief overview tour? Sure, yeah. Why don't I give you guys a little bit of an overview? Um, I'll start on the home page um, where, um, if my computer ever gets there, um, you'll see some of the biggest features on the site right here on the home page. Um, you know, we've got a featured video pretty much every month. We're, we're putting up a new featured video. Um, the first two um, videos, this is an education video about a school in the Bronx, which I'll describe in a moment. But before I do that, I'll just mention to you what some of the earlier videos we've had were. Um, and you can access all of these by going to features. Um, 
we did um, a, an extensive shoot in South Korea, which is the most wired nation on the planet at this moment, um, or at least it claims to be. There are a few countries that claim to be, but South Korea is pretty wired. And we actually did visit a couple of schools in South Korea, and I urge you to look at this. Um, we, we have five video pieces up here. Um, one of them, um, which we're calling Netiquette, was shot in an uh, elementary school in Seoul, where the kids are learning internet etiquette um, starting in first grade. And when I say internet etiquette, I don't just mean how to stay away from predators online. They're really learning about what it means to be on email and how not to hurt your friends and how to talk to your friends. And um, this is a really cute feature. They, they, uh, <laughs> they're singing a song called Netiquette, which I'll play for a moment because it's really just um, adorable. And, uh, and really startling because it isn't something that most American classrooms are teaching. Um, I know my children's elementary school has not even begun to talk about these issues. Can you guys hear this? Sir, we can see it, but we can't hear it. But when we go, when we start the web tour and look at that Google video, we can come back to this one as well if you'd like. Okay, so I'll pause it. Okay, so I'll go back to features. Um, so we, in South Korea, we spent some time um, with um, uh, in, the, in the professional gaming industry, which has become really big. I mean, people make six figures as professional video gamers in Korea. Um, and we also looked at uh, the, what's called the public health crisis of internet addiction. Um, the government of South Korea has declared that they've got a real public health crisis um, and that a significant portion of their youth are addicted to the internet. So we profile um, uh, a kid who's been struggling with this, and we follow him to what's called an internet rescue camp. This is the feature here. Um, where they take kids into a kind of wood-like, camp-like setting and just kind of try to acclimate them back, acclimate them back to the sort of physical world because some of these kids have really gotten lost in gaming and um, are having trouble connecting to other people. And so they try to teach kids, you know, what it means to sort of have a, a real-life friendship and they give them some exposure to nature. Um, so anyway, there's a lot of fun stuff to look at here. I won't take you guys through everything, but um, I'm particularly fond of our Korea section. We've also done a lot of work with the military, and I'll go back to features and just show you uh, what we've done there. We've got um, a bunch of different um, looks at the way the military is using technology. They tend to be ahead of the rest of us um, on this front. Um, we're looking in our, in our big circle here. This is a look at the way we are using virtual worlds to actually treat PTSD in um, soldiers who are coming back from Iraq quite successfully, I might add. Um, and then we also look at the way the military is using virtual worlds um, and digital media in training their troops. Um, so there's just a whole lot of stuff. And then underneath, on all of uh, each one of our feature pages, underneath we've got these really well-researched tabs, which give you an infinite amount of background on virtually anything you want to see here. So you know, we look at drones and. Um, Jeff Irvine in my office has done a really great job at kind of explaining the context to most of these videos that we're doing and providing really valuable links. So um, and then you'll see there's a link to an interview we did um, with PW Singer, which is relevant. So there's just a lot of a lot to look at um, on the features page. And then um, on our education features page, you'll see that we've got um, our big video is about um, this middle school in the Bronx that I'm mentioning, which I don't know if you guys have already watched this piece. Have they watched this piece already? No, we didn't. Send, but I think is this the Google? Is this the Google School piece? This is how Google saved a school, which I, I, 
I was under the impression that you guys were going to take a look at this. I think it's a, about a five or six minute piece and it's a really interesting look at the way one school has used technology to really save itself. Um, so that's there. And then there's also uh, this excerpt from Growing Up Online as well as a piece on social networking in the classroom that was also shot in the Bronx. Um, we'll be adding to this. Steve, do you want me to continue the web tour or do you want to stop here at the education piece? Oh, no, I think you've done a great job. I'm, I'm, I'm really loving the overview. I will tell you, I'm the guy who watches all the special features on a DVD if it's a movie I really like. <laughs> so here I am coming to, to this site and it just it wants to suck me in. I want to spend hours on it. Well, that's great. All right, well then before we finish, let me just mention two other things. There is a, a blog which we're um, pretty much updating almost every day. Um, so I encourage you to, to search the blog and there is um, topics. It's been sorted by topics so you can look at all of the blog posts on education. My blog uh, in the last couple of days was about my own middle school search for my fifth grade son which I was doing just at the same time I was profiling the middle school in the Bronx and so it was a really interesting sort of public-private parallel which I'm finding a lot these days and I, I was deciding between a laptop school and a school with no technology at all so I wrote about that. Um, and then if you look at education we have some other other blogs on this topic as well and that will continue to grow. We're going to have some guest bloggers coming in um, to write about issues that are interesting to our viewers. Um, and you can see there's quite a bit quite a bit here about education that we've looked at. Um, and then I showed you guys your stories and then the only other thing I would want to mention, a couple other things before we finish this web tour, in extras I urge you guys to check out this interactive body map of a digital native. Um, what we did was we took um, a 24-year-old girl and we just created this interactive map where you can actually look at the way that digital media is impacting her body from her brain um, and the way that you know she is or isn't multitasking. So I'll click on her brain and you can see searching online activates more brain regions and reading printed words. Um, you know, it takes about 15 minutes to return with full attention to a serious mental task if you responded to an email or instant message and some more data on whether technology is rewiring our brains. Um, and then if you click on her hand, you can look at texting and uh, its impact on people's hands and how quickly kids are texting. If you click on her mouth, you can see um, the difference between texting and talking and some issues around text messaging and scores on vocabulary and reading. We've got eyesight, ears, you get the picture. And then the last feature I just want to highlight is the About feature which just tells you a little bit about us and our project and it will also allow you to watch a trailer um, which profiles the project and kind of introduces you to me and to the other correspondent on the project, Douglas Rushkoff. So that's kind of an overview of what's on the website. Um, so I know you were hoping that today would be highly participative and interactive. Um, yeah. We did get a comment while you were talking from um, Andrew Brown who said, I don't think the site is designed to attract a younger audience. Have you thought about ways in which um, both from the standpoint of audience age and just the willingness to contribute, how, how you're, how, what things you could do to change the website to make it more inviting in that way? 
Yes, that's a great question, Andrew. Thank you. Um, and that's exactly what this redesign is about. Um, you know, frontline audience tends to be older, um, but we're hoping that through this website we will be able to expand that and attract younger people. And so one of the things we're doing is um, we're creating a homepage that allows people to comment right there and to see each other's comments. We are going to um, create a Facebook page um, for the project, which we're hoping will also help us, um, as well as um, creating a more interactive opportunities on the site itself. So live forums, um, you know, we're talking about some partnerships with groups that are um, connected to young people and that we'll be able to do sort of some cross-promotional stuff on. So we're, we're working pretty hard on this um, particular issue and we are very eager and I would welcome your thoughts and ideas about how we could um, expand on that. So it's funny, Amy's asking, what about Twitter? And Shelley says, what is the Digital Nation Twitter feed? And I had the same question, and I went looking for the Digital Nation Twitter feed and found the blog, a, a very interesting blog post on Twitter, but I couldn't find a Twitter feed. Is there one? Right. No, uh, there is a Twitter <laughs> feed on the blog. Um, as you can see here, I will go to it. That's a, it's a pretty... Here it is. Here's the, here's the Twitter feed on the blog. But we are talking about creating a Digital Nation Twitter feed, and I think that is going to happen. Um, we're working on it. And in advance of the NEC, we're talking about actually launching it at the NECC. So that's very much in the works. You know, this was kind of um, the way we're describing the website as it is now is that it's sort of a beta for us. It was kind of a you know, our first couple of months we were figuring out how websites work and what's important. And so I think you'll see a very different looking site um, in the next couple of months and one that's a little bit more inviting of the public. Does anybody else feel like it would be a little intimidating to contribute uh, self-created content on a site with such professional content? How, how, as an audience, how do you respond to that? That's a great question. And I, you'll have to probably move your uh, desktop share to the side if you're not seeing stuff in the chat. But um, J.R. Boyd says, I don't think kids I'm, would. Go ahead, Rachel. I'm sorry. I'm just looking. Um, kids would be intimidated. Whoa. Okay. Hold on. Um, I closed down the web tour. Good. Okay. I think. Well, we we actually do have, um, you know, we we do have student produced content on the on the stories uh, page right now, and I think actually I think Bob is right. Kids are not intimidated. It's quite the opposite. I think adults are more likely to be intimidated, but kids are. are you know, kids are used to creating content and putting it on the web, and I don't think they're um, at all daunted. I think they're excited. Um, and uh, and a little nervous, but you know it's it's something that kids tend to embrace. Um, you know, it's really just about asking the right questions and giving them an opportunity and giving them the digital tools they need. What we did um, in the Bronx is we had some flip cams um, which we passed around among the kids, and we helped them um, just kind of interview each other, um, which actually turned out to be a really interesting way because the kids who were interviewing were just as engaged as the kids who were answering, and they would interview each other about their digital life and about um, you know their presence online, how they're different, how their personality is different online, um, and we got some really interesting results. 
So I think if it's a teacher-facilitated activity, which is what I'm actually hoping some of you teachers out there would consider doing, I think um, you'll find the kids to be really excited about it. And it seems in the chat there's, there's pretty general agreement with you that the kids aren't going to be as intimidated potentially as the adults would be. I think so. I, I see some of the teachers saying this. My students are fearless in front of a video camera. Um, and I'm with you. I think kids tend to be um, tend to be pretty comfortable with this stuff. And it's natural for them. I mean, they're doing this all the time anyway. Um, as for releases and permissions, um, we are working on that. I think we are going to develop some sort of a, because some of the material that's on the website actually may end up in the documentary, um, we will need releases for uh, material that's going into the documentary. So we are in the process of talking to our legal department at WGBH or Frontline Space about what's going to be involved. And I think we will post that on the website so it will be easy for teachers to see how to get permission um, for this kind of material to be published. So we're getting a lot of chat. If you're having trouble following the chat, uh, you might want to go up to Tools. I'm sorry, go up to View Layouts and click the Wide Layout, and it lets you see the chat a little bit better. One one question that, that has since popped off the screen, Rachel, was um, you made the comment that you felt both teachers were right with their concerns with the benefits and losses of technology use in the classroom. Uh -huh. What do you personally consider to be an acceptable balance of technology in the classroom for teachers and students? I think that's a great question, and it's something I'm wrestling with as a parent as well as um, a journalist. Um, I think the key here is balance. Um, that's certainly the, the role that I play with my own kids is the pol policeman of their balance in their lives and making sure that for all the time that they do spend online that they're spending a lot of time um, not online um, and a lot of time getting pleasure out of things that can't be done online. Um, the other thing that I think is really important is to teach kids a love of reading before uh, they discover the love of the web because I think it's hard for the two to compete. Um, the web is, is, you know, is, asks less of you sometimes, particularly when you're just playing games. Um, and I think it's important for kids to learn to love books and to, and to do one thing at a time before they develop uh, all these skills on the web. So I guess for a teacher I think it's it's just important that um, you know they have their time with a book um, as well as their time um, online, and um, and that's balance, you know. So I know that you were hoping that uh, there would be some participation by teachers uh, today in this session. Are there specific questions that you would like to ask those who are here? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm interested in um, knowing from teachers who've been teaching for some time whether they are seeing um, changes in their students, um, you know, as digital technology gets more and more portable and more and more ingrained in their life, um, both positive and negative. Um, so that would be a question I'd have for some of the teachers um, to start with. Um, I have some other questions. Um, I'm interested in, in knowing from teachers whether they find this technology intimidating, um, whether it's changed them as teachers, um, as well as noticing how it's changed their students. And also some so of the most like exciting, sorry, my, my last question would just be what are some of the most exciting technology related moments they've had where they've seen technology do something for kids as learners that they never could have seen uh, without the technology. So if you think you'd like to answer one or all of those questions, feel free to put it in the chat. Or if you're brave, 
uh, raise your hand and we'll give you the microphone. And, and again, we're getting a lot of chat, and I'm, I'm not sure I'm following all the questions. But there's one here from uh, Caroline who says, I'm seeing a focus on digital life of our youth in today's educational world. Have you thought about looking outside the educational world as to how this digital world is impacting our students in their faith lives? Can you repeat that one more time? I'm sorry, I'm multitasking. I'm trying to read comments. So, uh, if you wouldn't mind <laughs> We're all multitasking. <laughs> so, Caroline in Florida asks a, asks a question, and I'm going to modify it slightly. But she says, I'm seeing a focus on digital life of our youth in today's educational world. Have you thought about looking outside the educational world as to how this digital world is impacting our students? She says, in, our, in their faith lives, I would ask, in other ways that impact education as well. Are there things happening outside sure. of well, schools? Think, uh, Go ahead. Yes. Um, well, I think absolutely we're looking at it. I mean, growing up online certainly looked at that. Um, so I, if you haven't watched that already, I urge you to watch it because we did look at the impact of all this technology on the sort of social and emotional and intellectual development of kids. Um, and we're continuing that exploration. So we are looking at you know, the impact on, on brain development. Um, we're looking at the social issues that come up. Um, we're looking at what kids do in their free time and how they're using mobile technology. So I think you'll see an enormous amount of this on the site as time goes by. We're going to be you know, updating this site regularly through the end of the year, if not longer, with new content. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and give the microphone to Maureen. Maureen, in order to speak, you'll need to click on the microphone button in the audio area. Go ahead and click, and that will turn your mic on, and you can ask your question. We can hear you. We did hear you. You have to click and leave it on. Doesn't want to do it. Control uh, us too. Oh, it's clicking off. Try again. Huh. Maureen, if you're having, if it's not staying on, go ahead and put your question, if you would, in the chat. And I've lost track of the chat. I, I, <laughs> it's going to fast. I'm, okay, Maureen, we can hear you now. Go ahead and try. It's got a, it's got a life of its own. My name is Maureen Greenbaum. I'm in New Jersey. I'm a professor at a community college, and I, um, I guess I'm a 61-year-old millennial since I started using computers in 1968, but. I'm I am kind of unique in my college. Everybody else, all the other profs, are really scared. Um, but what I am seeing is the students think they know about the uh, Internet. I teach the Internet. But they know a lot about downloading music. They know a lot about Facebook. They know almost nothing about validating what they read on the site is correct. Um, I have a lot of other things to think, but I don't want to make my list too long, so I'll sign out. That's uh, Maureen, I, this is something I've heard a lot um, about, and I, I, I think you know this is a, a gigantic problem, which is that you know we we tend to think of these kids as experts and natives, and they know so much more than we do, but the vast majority don't get into um, the net um, beyond um, some of the things you've already mentioned, and particularly when it comes to the authenticity of content and really having a sort of critical attitude about what they're reading online. Most of them have not been educated. And I think this is up to the schools. I mean, we really are going to need to teach them, starting from a very early age, how to use the net productively. Um, and they're not going to teach us this, this. I mean, we really are going to need to bring some, some of our adult perspective um, and um, maturity um, to their education online. 
I think a lot of those who were here were part of a self-selected audience of people who were brave enough to, to come into Illuminator or were participating in the, in the web to some degree. But I think a lot of the, the educators who were here would probably say that this technology has in some sort of fundamental way transformed their learning experience. As an audience, do you agree with that statement? And, and can you say to Rachel that, uh, that your experiences with the new network world have, have been um, significant for you personally? Anybody want to share that um, by microphone? Okay, Rob, I've given you the mic. You'll click on that uh, mic button to turn your mic on. And Rob, we're not hearing you if you're talking, so maybe you need to run the the audio setup wizard, and, and we'll come back to you in just a second. I'm going to give the mic to web literacy class. And to turn your mic on, you do click on that mic button in the audio box. Can you hear us? Yep. Yeah. Okay. We're actually a, a classroom full of teachers here. We've got 22 teachers, and we're doing a web literacy class this week about we're basing it on Alan November's book, the web literacy book that he did, and we're he, we've just been covering all of the different subjects that you guys are talking about, about learning how to validate websites. So That's great. Wow, that's wonderful. Wow, that's wonderful. Yes, our teachers wanted to say thank you for showing us your site, and we appreciate it, and they're looking forward to getting on there and collaborating with you. Great. I was going to say, you know, we'd love to hear from you guys, particularly because web literacy is such a it's such a hot topic right now, and there's so many schools that want to teach it and don't know how. So share your experience. You know, um, we can talk to you guys about ways that you could contribute to the site. Um, but I think there are many ways in which you know what you're doing um, could be passed on to others. So Rob, I'm going to give you uh, the microphone by turning on the uh, teleconference bridge audio. Can you hear us? I'm sorry, Greg. Gregory. Hi. Um, can you hear me? Yep. Yes. Oh. Hi, Gregory. Hi, Rachel. Hi, hi, Steve. Uh, excellent. Uh, I'm really enjoying this. Um, I think the the first thing that I've learned is that Twitter, Bigo, which is a social networking bookmarking site, uh, Steve's uh, Future of Educationing. All of those have really contributed to my personal understanding of how social networking is transforming my own learning. And it's out of that transformation of myself that I come to teach my students. Um, so anyway, th those are my thoughts. Interesting. Thank you. What, what, can, I just ask you, can I just ask you how social networking is transforming your, your learning and your teaching? Well. Uh, as an isolated teacher in my own classroom, I, I teach um, biotechnology in middle school. I'm kind of isolated from all other teachers. I don't have a local professional network. And so um, by connecting to others around the world who are teaching uh, interesting concepts that I'm also interested in teaching, for example, atomic molecular theory and um, the use of videos and animations, I, I network with professionals um, 
throughout the K-20 spectrum, university professors, uh, AP biology teachers, other middle school teachers, all of that's available to me through um, Twitter and through Ning's and through other social networks that I have. Um, and that's really empowered my ability to deliver very interesting interactive um, uh, simulations to my students. For example, uh, through that network I, I found out about uh, Chris Beattie's work at Harvard, the River City Project, and the use of three-dimensional virtual worlds to teach the scientific process um, to investigate disease. Mm -hmm. That's great. I, I want to just add that one of the things we saw in IS339 is that they used Google and Google Docs um, to, to really make the school more transparent so that teachers could see what other teachers were doing and communicate with teachers more easily. And that has really helped um, with the isolation of teachers and helped them to sort of learn from each other. Um, so the technology is not just in the classroom, it's in between teachers in a school as well. So I think one thing that's interesting... I spoke over you, Gregory. Didn't mean to. Oh, that's okay. I, I, I'm basically finished. Let, um, I'll let other people respond. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, Rachel, I think one thing that's interesting for me is that we've definitely seen social networking become a pretty powerful tool for professional development. Uh, you know, the interesting story uh, kind of coming up will be classroom use of social networking or the or the technologies that we call social networking. I think another really interesting aspect to this is the kind of meeting we're having right now, which in many ways is sort of a synchronous version of social networking, where people can right. gather together with fewer barriers to talk about things that are of interest to them. So I, uh, I would echo uh, Gregory's comments, but I think this has been a very interesting um, um, experiment that people are finding has been really helpful. So I'm going to give the, the mic now to Angela. Sorry, go ahead, Rachel. No, 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 that's that's fine. Great. Hi, can you hear me? We can hear you, Angela. Yep. Hi, great. Thank you so much for this wonderful event. I just wanted to say that the transformation has occurred um, at our university because we're a 100% online university, military students. We have 69% of our students are active military, and they range in age and, of course, location around the world. And so uh, even though um, a lot of the uh, native learners for technology and computers are with our younger students and younger children, what have we have seen is that because of um, events and locations, a lot of our traditionally adult or non-traditional, I should say, adult learners are um, really taking on and immersing themselves with um, the technology. So thank you very much. Thank you. What's the name of your university? American Public University and American Military University. We're, we're together. And where, where are they located? Where, where are they located? Well, um, because we are 100% online, we're located around the world. But oh, you're 100% all, um, yeah, well, all over the place. Yeah, we're 100% all over the place. Our administrative offices are in Charlestown, West Virginia. but. Uh, not, not to give a plug or anything, but I just wanted to say what I've always found is what you're saying is that the students, the younger students, are more at ease with technology and seeing the fact that because someone might be stationed in Afghanistan or in Basra, Iraq, that because of circumstances, they are immersing themselves in 
technology and using that for instruction. And we, on the uh, you know more traditional brick and mortar side, and we um, who are older adults um, in the in the instructional side have to sometimes catch up with them, even though they're you know people tend to think that that's the elementary students or the middle school students, or the high school students, but no, it's these adult learners around the world. Thank you. Right. So I'm going to try and give the mic to you again, Rob. Do you want to try again? And we can see that your mic is turned on, but it's, nothing's coming through. So I'm really sorry about that. It sounds like um, I'm not getting sound from you. Um, Michael Leventhal, did you want to say something? Yes. Can you hear me, though? I don't know. Yep. I hear you. So Michael, we heard you. Be, you have to turn your mic back on again. Um, there you go. Some, somewhere in the conversation, although I, it may not be appropriate at this time, so I'll just do it very quickly, is the uh, the impact upon special education. Um, I work with autistic children um, and have been very successful using different techniques of video modeling. Uh, and New York City has also introduced a Second Life um, Island specifically for the kids in my school, among other schools. And in relationship, uh, excuse me, um, the social networking is something that my kids are somewhat familiar with. The problem in getting them educated and using uh, the technology for self-improvement really hinges upon the ability of the teacher not only to understand that technology, but to understand um, how to bring the child along. It's a very, very controlled environment. So many of the things that, that other people are interested in will be produced by kids, will be produced by teachers working with children. Um, but in our case, we need to find out more about what technology is out there that is specifically adapted to the needs of the special education uh, community to um, promote their social engagement uh, and their, their personal skills. I hope that makes sense. It does. Really good comment. Rob, uh, do you want to try yet again? It looks like you went and did the audio setup, so uh, feel free to turn your mic on and try asking a question again. And maybe it uh, didn't work for you. Okay, I'm going to go to Brubaker. You have the mic. Go ahead and click on the mic button in the audio box. Can you hear me? Yep. I hear you. Um, a big changer for me as a teacher was getting an iPod Touch. And um, even as a master's student in the humanities, uh, I find that I use it a lot for my own education through having you know, a dictionary available all the time when I'm um, reading a text or even you know, composing rough drafts of documents on my touch and then sending them to Google Documents and then continuing the paper in another place. And then with students, um, I find that a lot of them are hungry for technology but don't always know exactly how to use it to help their education. And so I started trying to do a uh, website of the week where I would show them ways to use you know, um, web apps and stuff to help them out. And I created a delicious feed 
so that they could just always tell them, you know, remember one website and you could have access to, you know, to all the stuff that I've showed them all year. And we just do that once a week. And I found that they really enjoyed that. And the students who did have, seem to have some sort of clue how to use it often had older brothers and sisters who are college age. Those are the students who had heard about some of the websites that I mentioned in class. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the challenges here is that we're, we're all learning this together. I mean, we're catching up to the technology, which is capable of so much um, and has been has grown in its power so quickly. So it is, it's hard to, to feel like we m can master it, um, both as teachers and as students. Um, but I think in the next few years, we'll see just enormous um, growth in the incorporation of this stuff into the classroom just because it has so much educational potential. We'll get better and better at it. So Rachel, I don't know if you're aware of the Flat Classrooms project, but I'll send you a, um, an email later giving you some contact information there. I think you're going to find that there's some really interesting stories there. My guess is that other people oh, great. have interesting stories to tell you as well. The chat log I will send to you, so don't worry if you've, you've missed something in the chat log. I'll make sure that you get that. Is there a, another way for people to communicate with you if they have ideas for you with regard to education and digital nation? Absolutely. Um, well, if there should be a comments feature uh, up on the site, first of all, um, which you should be able to access now. Um, so, and we read those every day. We come, they come right to us. That's probably the most direct way to get in touch with us. If you don't want your comment to be um, published, um, then um, I think you could probably email us um, at arc. What's our what's our general arc? Your digital nation at gmail.com. Um, so, you know, we, we encourage you to comment because we really think it's important that people are able to see how other people are reacting to the site and create a community on the site. But if, if for any reason you want to keep that private, just, uh, just email us at yourdigitalnation at gmail.com. And it looks like Sandy's put in the Twitter account, dig underscore nat. I'm assuming that you also see the replies to that account. So Rachel, what's your timing like? Yes. We're about two minutes away from the hour. Do we need to wrap up? Um, you know, in the, in the next few minutes, I would say we've got, um, what, what time is our next uh, event happening? 12, okay, so we've got about 10 minutes. Okay, so let's go ahead, Aaron. I've given, I've given you the mic if you'd like to ask your question. Why don't we take two or three more questions? We don't want to put Rachel too uh, close to her timing. But take a couple more questions and then we'll finish up. And Aaron, to ask your question, go ahead and click on the mic button in the audio box. Okay, can you go? Can you hear me? All right. All right, great. Yes. Um, I can hear you. Rachel, as a as a longtime teacher, and now I'm an educational specialist, so I kind of fight the battle um, at the upper level with um, curriculum people who are still um, wary, rightfully so, in many cases of of technology and how to integrate it. And I spend a lot of time dealing with that. Uh, I guess uh, my question is, with these types of projects reaching out and the kids' voices being heard, um, how do you see leveraging the, these collective voices to really try to make an impact on where education is going? Because I really do think that the children's voices and parents' voices and teachers' voices really don't get heard quite as much as they need to. And uh, 
I'm just wondering your ideas about leveraging all this information and making sure that the voices get heard. Well, to a certain extent, I think that our audience for the broadcast of Frontline and, and uh, the website um, tend to be um, people who do have impact. There are a lot of policymakers um, and educators and principals and other people who have um, you know, access to the, to the levers of power who watch the program um, and come to the website. So I hope that you know, we're providing a kind of high profile um, forum for a lot of these issues to be raised. And then we have our own um, outreach department and promotion department and education um, where we're creating a whole kind of learning initiative around this project which will be sent into schools. So I think there are going to be numerous um, ways in which um, over time we'll be able to kind of um, leverage uh, the, the, uh, the content of this project. Sandy uh, St. Louis, I believe, is still present, and she can also add to this because she knows a bit more about the whole learning initiative that we're doing. And the um, Sandy, are you here? So, Sandy, I'd be glad to give you the mic if you want to we're raise your hand. We're going to have a teacher. Um, uh, go ahead. Is Sandy here? Sandy, I've given you my capability. While we're waiting for Sandy, I'm going to put the oh, here show. She is. She's here. I'm going to put the show evaluation, the show evaluation link into the web tour while Sandy's talking. While Sandy's talking. Hi, uh, this is Sandy. Um, Rachel, could you could you just comment a little bit about um, what you'd like me to address again? I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm just going to ask I'm you to talk, talk about the program that we're going to be bringing into schools. The sort of isn't there a um, handbook that we're going to be giving to educators at the end of this project? And Sandy, I turned your mic off because of Eric. Over, you have to turn it back on now to respond. Hi. Sorry about that. Over the summer, we're going to be developing several online workshops and tutorials for parents and teachers um, with uh, Renee Hobbs at Temple uh, University Media Lab. And these tutorials are going to integrate uh, some of the content that you see on the Digital Nation website with some curriculum and professional development um, seminars for teachers and also tips for parents on how to uh, navigate the web and, and the tools their kids use in this digital age. Hopefully that helps answer your question. Marlene, it looks like you have your hand raised. I'm going to give you the mic if you'd like to ask a question. If anybody would, ask, uh, would like to ask a question, why don't we say we'll take one or two more and then let Rachel go. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much. Uh, can everyone hear me? Anyway, yes. uh, my question was, have you, great, <laughs> thanks. Um, my question was, uh, have you interviewed people like the author of Born Digital or what would Google do and if that would be a part of your plan? And also, second part, <laughs> um, have you worked at all with community college educators specifically uh, or people working with adults? who are trying to transition and become uh, users of digital technology. Thanks. Um, the, the, first, the answer to your first question is, is yes. Um, we have not yet 
interviewed um, the author of Born Digital, um, which uh, is John Palfrey, who works at uh, the, the Berkman Center at Harvard. But people like, there are a bunch of really, really good books out on this issue. And um, slowly, we're sort of approaching some of the authors, um, interviewing some of them. I'm not sure that we're going to interview that particular uh, person, but there will be there will certainly be people who've written on the sort of overview perspective on this on this generation who will be interviewed for the site. We have not worked with community colleges. You know, we're we're doing a lot have a lot of balls in the air at this point, trying to just keep the website fresh and producing the documentary. So that kind of outreach is probably going to happen um, later on in the fall and into the winter, um, just because we only have so many. Um, so many hands on deck here. And I'll give a little bit of a plug here for the monthly show that I do with Jenny Bradbury at PBS Teachers. Uh, we did interview John Palfrey, and that interview is up on Classroom 2.0 and PBS Teachers. And then I have upcoming interviews uh, with John Seeley Brown and Clay Shirky and Doc Searles and a number of people who might fall into that category, um, Don Tapscott as well. John Tapscott is on our list as well, as is Clay. <laughs> good. Both, both good people to have on your list. I'm going to give the microphone now to Andrew. Yes. Hi, Rachel. Can Hi, you Andrew. Hear me? Hi, Andrew. I can. So, I can. Okay, so what is your favorite web tool? <laughs> That's a great That's question. A great question. Um, Gmail. Uh, Gmail. <laughs> Gmail. <laughs> I know. I actually love Google. Um, we've kind of Googleized our office. We use Google Docs, um, and we put a much, pretty much put everything that we do, everything that we, all of our work product is up on Google Docs, and it's shared. And um, you know, being able to use Google Docs has transformed the way we work. Um, and I have to say, it's probably it's probably at the top of my list. There was, I had to smile because there were several comments when you pulled up your desktop share, Rachel, because people immediately recognized the DGO toolbar. Ah, yes. You know, I don't use that as much as I uh, should. Um, I'm really suffering at this point from over, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Overload. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm oversaturated with, with media, with digital tools, with emails, and I'm struggling to kind of get, get out from under so that I can make, make a film, which I have to do. So I, I, I unfortunately have a lot of stuff on my toolbar that, that remains unused simply because I'm, I'm trying to simplify at this point and just um, do what I've absolutely got to do. Well, we certainly want you to be able to do that. I think uh, we should wrap up here. This is probably a good point to give you some thanks. So I'm going to initiate the clapping by clicking on the little clapping hand down in the bottom of the participant window. I love it. I love Rachel, the clapping. Thanks. It's really great. <laughs> thanks for taking the time to come on today. I really appreciate it. Love the overview of the site. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, have uh, gotten engaged today just by hearing you talk about it and so appreciative of the work that you're doing. Our thanks to KnowledgeWorks and to uh, Illuminate both for supporting this series. Coming up tonight, a special session on the future of books and reading. Uh, Rachel, you would love this. I know you're not going to have time to be there, but uh, we're going to talk specifically about the book becoming a platform for conversation and changes in technology related to reading. Tomorrow, it's librarians oh, and great. social media. Then coming up, John C. Brown, David Thornburg, and many others. 
Thanks for coming today. Thanks for coming in an early hour. Uh, and Rachel, thanks so much. That was just terrific. Thank you. And I do, do want to encourage any of you who are going to be in NECC to come to our booth. I think it's um, 1904 on Tuesday, June 30th, um, and Monday, June 29th, we'll be, we'll be at NECC. Um, and I'm going to be also um, on a panel at NECC on Tuesday afternoon called Dig um, Oh no, I'm sorry. We're going to be gathering stories on Tuesday afternoon from 4.45 to 6 um, at that reception as well. So please join us and, and contribute. I think, Rachel, you're going to be at a birds of a feather session that day. So if you're looking for, look for the birds of a feather session on uh, digital storytelling. <laughs> And and uh, and do remember, if you are at NECC, I'm going to bring our slide back up. Do consider coming to EdgeBloggerCon or NECC Unplugged. Uh, what a great event each year NECC is. So Rachel, thank you. Thanks to Sandy St. Louis for setting this up and being uh, so spectacular and organizing. And thanks everybody for coming today. Well, we'll leave the chat open, uh, but we'll let uh, Rachel go. Okay, Steve. Before I go, I forgot to mention one thing. Sandy's going to kill me if I don't mention it. So can I do it? Absolutely. You're in charge. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, we are having a live forum on education in the digital age next Wednesday on our website at 11 a.m. This is an opportunity for you guys to ask questions and talk to each other of some of the experts, um, top experts on this issue, a few of whom we have interviewed already on our site. Um, so I really urge you to come and join us 11 a.m. next Wednesday online on our site Education in the Digital Age. Is that uh, an audio again, forum I'm or, or a chat Sorry. forum? No, it's a chat forum. It's a chat forum. Awesome. Thank you, Steve, and thanks to everybody for being here. It's really great to, to have so much interest. Thanks, Rachel, for all the good I'll work. Thanks, soon. everybody. Thanks, Sandy. Bye-bye. Well, we have a few minutes for a little post-session chat. Uh, it, it is at a certain point in time, we're going to need to kick everybody out in order for the uh, recording to process. Um, but uh, I thought that was terrific. And, and boy, what a neat lady and what good work she's doing. So Marlene, you're asking for the evaluation URL. I just put it in the chat. I think that's uh, what you're looking for. Oh yeah, go ahead and click on that link and it should be okay for you. There was so much chat I, I could not follow 80% of it. Caroline, feel free to, uh, let's try, you don't have mic privileges so I'm going to go ahead and give you the mic now. You want to try clicking on the mic button in the audio box? I'll be able to see when your mic comes on. It hasn't come on yet. But in the audio box, there is a button. It says has a picture of a microphone and control F2 below it if you're on a PC. Uh, did, you, did you run the tools audio setup wizard? Yeah, I did see Rachel's chat forum mentioned on their website. And there's a link to that, I believe, on the Digital Nation website. 
Oh, Caroline, there must be some problem. I'm sorry. Is it a question you can put in the chat? Baker, did you want to take the mic? Um, Steve. Yeah. Did you, um, it was mentioned in the chat um, about maybe having somebody just moderating or just checking right. the chat for <laughs> questions. Because it seemed like it was overload. Yeah, and, I've, and sometimes I've done that. And um, I wasn't sure how many people were going to come this morning. Um, and and, I, and normally I can pull questions out. I put and I actually didn't tell Rachel this, but I put them in a Google Doc, uh, which oftentimes I'll share with the guest uh, so that they can see the I can pull the questions out. But it got going pretty fast today, didn't it? Yeah, but it was great. This is my first time using Illuminate, and it was really nice. Yeah, uh, it's a. I, I think it's a wonderful setup, and I do think that this is a fascinating technology because it. Uh, it does allow for such a high level of participation in a way that around topics in a way that I think we've traditionally felt really you could only do at a conference. So all of a sudden we have this capability now to talk about specific topics without having to, to fly great distances or pay you know, the cost of organizing an event. Yeah. Thank you. Well, good. Thank you. So Illuminate is a fee service. However, we've started a new program called LearnCentral.org. And if you go to LearnCentral.org, you can uh, it will automatically sign you up for a free version of Illuminate. And then it allows you to do these kinds of larger public events for free as well. So Illuminate's uh, very interested in having this technology available for educational purposes. Yeah, Learn Central will continue to be free. That's the plan. There's no there's no long term plan to turn that into a fee service. The goal is to contribute to the overall um, potential for combining social networking and um, you know, online teaching and learning. So very fun. Good feedback, Greg. And we know we're definitely still very much in beta. <laughs> Hopefully, it keeps getting better. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and uh, close this down. That way the recording can process. So what I will do is I will actually um, remove everybody from the, from the session. Sure appreciate your being here today. Thanks so much for coming.